uh, to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9 here. And a little bit of a word about work, spirit-filled living as we go through this chapter here. And here are some signs that you are a workaholic. Let's try it. We can try it. This works. It works? Take it off now. Let's try it. Let's try it. See if you're a workaholic, Brian. I am a workaholic. Can you hear me? Yeah. Unfortunately, right? <laughs> here are some signs that you're a workaholic. Let's look at this passage here. Uh, one, one of the signs is you feel that you deserve a higher income. You know, people who think, I deserve more money, I want more money, I, I, I deserve a better house, a better life, a better this. And so all of a sudden, they work really hard at doing this. These, this is hard for people who come from poor backgrounds and grew up really poor. They say, I'm not going to have a life that my children... I, my children are not going to have a life that I had. I'm going to have a better life, so I'm going to, I, I deserve a better income, so I'm going to work hard for it. How about this one? Your friends wonder where you've been. Have you seen so-and-so lately? He's working. How about so-and-so? Ah, he's working. He's working. He's gone. He's sleeping. He's tired. He's working. He's gone. He's gone. And they wonder, you know, what happened to you? How about, how about this one? You don't schedule a no work time in your day. Yeah, this is, this is hard now with cell phones and everything. You could do your work everywhere, anywhere, everywhere. And so there's a no work time in your day, so you always have something scheduled. You care too much about other people's opinions. I mean, what are you going to think of me if I'm not working and going like crazy? And then number five here is you go at it alone and you don't ask for enough help because nobody can do the job like I can. I do it the best. And, you know, I, I, I delegate it to people, but they mess it up. So I'm the one that needs to do it and come in. And, and it's more work to delegate anyway, right? Because you have to deal with the person and all that. So I'll just do it myself and you don't ask for help. Now, now let, me, let me show you something. This is interesting here. Work in a sin-ravaged world. When did this all start? Remember, work was before the fall and work was very easy. But, but look at this in Genesis 3.17. It says this. And Adam, he said... Because, and to Adam, this is God talking to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Stop there. <laughs> Should I keep going? <laughs> no. Uh, got the devil on the run, huh? Because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Let's meditate on that for a few moments. No, let's keep going. I have eaten of the tree of which I commanded. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat all of it, uh, uh, of it, all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Look at this next one. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, or the sweat of your brow. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. Let me just tell you what the fall has done to work. Work now because of the fall is difficult. It is hard. It, it, it is so, and you think about the things that are going on now with all the technology, and everyone says, oh, it's wonderful, we got all this, that's made things harder. 
And, and, and it's hard work. And, and now you look at the mandates and the stuff that's going on. Work is hard. They say pastoring is like eating ice cream off of a pine cone. You lick it, it's sweet, but it also, it hurts. Work is difficult now. By the sweat of your brow, it is hard work. It, 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 it is, it is not only difficult, it's disillusioning. It's, it's, at times you do your job and you say, wow, I feel so empty at the end. I mean, I worked, I worked, I worked hard, but, but for what? For what? For nothing? And you feel like it's, it's got nothing. And then this is this, this is really true. After the fall, work is distorted. We tend to say that we have God on Sundays and the rest of the week is ours and we don't worship God all week. And we separate, separate the secular from the sacred when God never does that. In fact, let me ask you a question. What's more important, Sunday or Monday? All right, some say Sunday. Some say Monday, right? Some say both. All right, be careful with that question. Because if we say Sunday's more important, then we're going to say, okay, throughout the week I can slack off. I don't need to read my Bible. I got God on Sunday. I'm fine. I come to worship. If we say Monday's more important, we forget that we ought to seek God first and His kingdom and do everything. So, so now we're in trouble here. Really, here's the thing. We worship God Sunday through Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we worship God with our work. Let me just tell you this. A stay-at-home mom is worshiping God as she's changing diapers. Amen. You ever look at it that way? It may stink at times. <laughs> All right? And I mean literally stink. But just I want you to think about this. As you're dealing with that and they're running around the house and they're doing all these things and as they get older and all that, they are worshiping God in the home as they are working. When we go to work, we are worshiping God. And Monday, when you check in tomorrow, Monday, you are worshiping God. That is your place of work. You cannot separate worshiping God on Sunday and not worshiping God on Monday. You are worshiping God throughout the whole week. And when we look at our work like that, things change. But it is difficult. Oftentimes we feel like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And oftentimes we, 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 we change it. We don't say that work is what it ought to be. Now, I want to show you something. Look what Tom Nelson says. Rather than worship God through our work, we can easily and subtly begin to worship our work. And work becomes an idol in our lives. It's all we think about. We can't sleep at night thinking about our work. It's grabbed our minds. It's grabbed our hearts. It's grabbed our thoughts. It's grabbed our emotions. And all of a sudden, we're worshiping our work rather than worshiping through our work. And it's an idol. And it doesn't please God. And so we have to be careful with this and we have to understand what the Bible says and how we can most glorify God as we're working. This is, and, and here's another distortion we have. This is a big distortion. Americans have this a lot. Other people in the world have this. I'm going to work as hard as I can until I'm 55 and then I'm going to do nothing for the rest of my life. Amen? Isn't that great? I'm just going to be a sloth the rest of my life because that's going to glorify God. No, it's not. And so we have this idea of working and killing ourselves while we're still young so that when we can get old, we can do whatever we want. No, that's not what God wants. 
In fact, we continue to worship God throughout our whole life to the very last breath. And so to say that I'm going to work hard, distort that, and then I can have a relaxing end of my life, you don't know what tomorrow holds. I remember one of my professors, he was 70, and he said, I'm retiring this year. This is, I'm done. And he would show a picture of his grave. He said, one day I'm going to be here, guys. He actually passed it around the class. We saw a picture of his grave. Still alive. I said, wow. I said, wow, that's amazing. Well, he got sick just before he retired. His retirement party, we sang to him while he was in the hospital. He died a few days later. He was going to retire. God retired him. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So why do we think that we can just work really hard and then later on in our lives just relax? We don't know what God has. And so we ought to worship God through our work and not be, let work become our worship. Now, how do we do that? Well, here's this passage. That's why I love this passage. Glorifying God with our work. Here, here's what he says. First thing he's going to say is give your job your best, your best. Watch this. Slaves. How do you like that? How would you like to be called a slave? Now, back then, there was slavery. It has nothing to do with the slavery that we know of in America. It had nothing to do with race. There were all colors were slaves. It had nothing to do with that. It had nothing to do with education. People were doctors and they were slaves. People were teachers and they were slaves. In fact, over 35%, over 60 million slaves back then. But if you were a slave back then because you were either born into it or somebody bought you when you were younger or, or somebody left you as a kid and you became a slave, how would you like to be a slave? When you were a slave back then, you could own no property. If you had kids, sometimes you had to give it up, give them up so you can continue to be a slave. You never knew when you were going to be free. Some would be free. You had no rights at all. People complain right now, you know, oh, they're taking away our rights. They're taking away our rights. Imagine being a slave. You couldn't own anything. You couldn't even have any property, no nothing. You were somebody else's property. And here's what he says, and, and it's not about slavery, this passage. Here's what he said. If God wants these people who have no rights, no property to obey and give God his best, we ought to give God our best as well. Watch this. Slaves, here's what you ought to do. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. So the first thing he's going to say is that he, God wants obedience from us. And we, we already saw that word. It's the same word used of children with their parents. It means to put yourself under the hearing of somebody. Somebody says, well, what do you mean obedience on the job? What does that mean? Well, it must fit these following biblical boundaries. He, the job can never ask us to sin. So here's what obedience means on a job. It can't be immoral. And so we see that in the Bible when the midwives, the Israelites, would not kill babies. And, and, and we can't have a job that says, oh, you need to kill babies and abort babies. Christians don't do that. We don't do immoral things. And so if it, it's not immoral, then we obey. If it's not idolatrous. Sometimes they, they want us to do things like uh, that, that will not please God and mix the faith and, 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 and not talk about the true gospel and all that. And no, no, we don't do that. Christians don't do that. And also Christians don't suppress the gospel. So the question is this, what happens if my job makes me do something that's immoral or makes me do something that's idolatrous or makes me do something that I can't speak the gospel? Here's what happens. 
you have two options as a Christian. One, you can either appeal, or two, you can look for another job. That's a hard way to be. I remember when I got my degree at a college, I came out, I had my degree to be a social worker, I was going to be a social worker, they sat me down, they said, when you go to those houses, you cannot open your Bible. Don't talk to them about Christ at all. I said, I can't do that. If I'm at their house and they ask me a question about God, I'm going to mention God. They said, no, you can't do that. So guess what I had to do? Look for another job. Look for another job. That's the only other option. You can appeal or look for another one. It says, not immoral, not idolatrous, and not suppressing the gospel. Obey. But here's the, here's the encouraging thing in verse 5. These are your masters according to what? To the flesh. In other words, these are temporary people. They're not going to be around forever. How many of you have the same boss that you had your whole life? Anybody? <laughs> well, you got to, well, yeah, you're only four years old. But anyway, now I'm going to... Somebody that's been working for over 20 years. Anybody got the same boss? They come and go. Isn't it amazing? They're not around forever. If you're your own boss, then you got to deal with yourself for a while. That's another story. But your master's according to the flesh. And he's trying to encourage us. Hey, look, be obedient. Give it all you got. Listen to them and do it because they're your masters in the flesh. They're not, they're temporary. They're not going to be here forever. The the work is not going to be here forever. But here's how you ought to do it right here in the passage. You do it with fear and trembling with this earnest desire to do the job right. When we, when we go to work, we want to do our job right. We have respect and even the trembling there. It's not like I'm worried about getting fired, but doing the job right, giving it everything you got. And, and really what he says here in verse 5 is, and, and look at this in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, he talks about when Paul preached the gospel, he says, I've determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much what? Trembling. Paul says, I wanted to preach the gospel to you, and I wanted to get it right. I want to do it right. This earnest desire to do what is right, and look what he says here in the passage, in sincerity of your heart, not holding back. We, we hired a... a, a this group of people that put a floor down in a church in Argentina. And I said to them, you give me the price. I don't know what the price is. You tell me how much we need to pay you each day. And so the guy goes, all right, you need to pay us this. And so I would go to the church and I would show up and the floor would be the same as the day before. They did nothing. And I said to him, I don't understand. We're paying you by day, but you're doing nothing. He goes, yeah, we're doing nothing. He actually admitted it. He goes, because you're not paying us enough. I said, you gave me the price. (laughs) You gave me the price. He goes, no, no, you're not paying us enough. And since you're not paying us enough, we're not going to do much. Now, how many believers get to work and hold back their best when we ought to go there and give them everything we got regardless of what the pay is? Give them everything we got from our whole heart Here's why. Because we obey them as we do who? Christ. And we're going to see this in a moment. 
But he says, I want you to be obedient. I want you to have this earnest desire to do your job right. And I want you to, I want it to come from the very heart. I don't want you to hold back. Don't hold back when you go there. Give him everything you got. Don't just say, okay, I can't wait eight hours. I, I just can't wait for it to end. I'm just going to give him a little bit, give him my minimum so I don't lose my job. No, we give him everything we got as we would obey Christ. You say, why? Because we do our job for Christ alone. Watch this. This is amazing. Verse 6. Not by the way of eye service. Don't miss this. That's a Greek word only used two times here in the whole Bible. And it literally means a slave of the eye. It means that you work hard as long as your boss is around or people are around or people can see you, but you slack off the moment they're not around. You work as hard as you can when they're around and you work as hard as you can to impress them. But when they're not around, when the cat's gone, guess what the mice do? They play. Right? Up, oh, they're gone. But boy, he says this, don't live your life Trying to impress people. Because guess what? No matter how hard we try, we can never impress them enough. I, I, I remember, I remember one, one uh, paper I had to do in a class that I was taking. I said, I'm going to impress the, the teacher. I'm going to write this paper. Hey, I'm going to blow his socks off. He, he gave me a B. A B. I don't get Bs. He gave me a B. B means bombed. I bombed it. He gave me a B. And he said, oh, you came to these conclusions? Oh, wow. You're in. I thought I was going to impress him. I didn't impress him. Sometimes we think we're going to impress people. I'm really going to work to knock their socks off. You're not going to impress people. Don't live that way. Because maybe one day we impress them, but the next day we don't. Live to impress one. His name is Jesus. Look what he says here in this contrast. Don't be a slave to the eye that only works hard to try to impress people and to knock their socks off. Don't live like that. Here's what you, how you live. You live as a slave of who? Christ. We belong to him. There is someone that has a greater authority. There is someone that deserves greater honor. Don't change diapers and clean the house to impress your husband or your wife. Do that to impress God. Don't go to work saying, I'm going to impress my boss by doing all this. Do that to make him pleased. Because here's what it says here. We are to do the very will of God from what? From the very heart. This is an interesting word. From the suke, from the very soul, from the very inner being, from all that we got, we're to do the will of God. Everything we got. To please God. I remember the guy who was laying in bed. His mother said, get up. We got to go to church. Get up. He goes, mom, give me three reasons. I don't want to get up. Give me three reasons. Well, one, we live 45 minutes away from church. And if you don't get up, we're going to be late. That doesn't help me. Give me another reason. Well, another reason is because we're Christians and we need to get up. And, you know, Christians go to church. No, I don't like that. Give me another reason. You're the pastor. You need to get up and preach. Get up. But I'll tell you, it is easy to lose heart at work. Nobody appreciates me. 
Did you see the boss? He didn't give me a raise this week. Gave everyone else raises. I mean, and I work hard. I'm there every day. I'm the only one every day. I never take vacation to sick days. I, am a, I had COVID and I was at work. I do everything at work. I almost dropped dead at work, but yet I was there and nothing. No one, no one. I, look at this. I just try to do all that. And it just, you lose heart and you start giving a little bit less. And it's not this wholehearted doing the will from God, of God. And, and all of a sudden, you just hold back a little bit, and you get there, but you're really not there. Your mind's somewhere else, and, and your heart's not there, and you think, oh, wow, I deserve better, and I know better, and my boss, he doesn't know as good as I, I can run this company so much better. I can do things so much, and we start to lose heart. But we're slaves of Christ, and we do the will of God from the heart. Look at this, verse 7. With good will render service. That's a positive attitude. We go there with positive attitudes. We go there and say, this is going to be great today. This is a great day. I'm going to worship God today. I'm going to do this with a positive attitude. It's the attitude that matters to God, not just the actions. We go with goodwill to render service. And this is interesting here. We are actually rendering things that, that bring honor to God. Every time that we submit to those that are above us, every time that we do the little things that are required of us, we are doing a good service here on this earth. That's amazing to think about. And we do it as to the Lord and guess not to, not to men. So here's what someone said, and this is really, instead of looking to transfer jobs, why don't you transfer masters and make Jesus the master of your job? Because no matter where we go, guess what the other boss is going to be? A sinner. And we got to deal with that. So instead of transferring jobs, let's transfer masters and let's offer good service to the Lord. That doesn't mean there's not times you transfer jobs. There's times when you do it. But look at this in verse 8. You say, I need to understand something. Help me out here. Give me some motivation. I know I've got to give my job my best, but do, do my job for Christ alone. But give me some motivation. Look at this in verse, in verse 8. We've got to work with eternity in mind. Watch this. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does. You think, you think changing diapers is a good thing? It is, amen? All right, every good thing, whatever little thing someone does, whatever little contribution you make to your company or to where God has placed you, where you are where every little good thing that you do, the benefit of that job, every little thing that you do, notice what it says in verse 8. Your boss is going to give you a raise, amen? Is that what it says? People are going to appreciate you. Is that what it says? You're going to win the employee of the month if you keep doing every good thing. What does it say? It says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether a slave or free. What he's saying here is, God's watching you. God's watching every little good thing that you're doing. And although you may not be appreciated, and although they may not give you that raise that you think you deserve, and although you may not climb up the ladder, and although you may not get all the benefits that you think you want on this earth, the benefits that you get from God are out of this world. Because one day we will stand before God, and He will reward us 
for what we do here on this earth. And you want to know something about God? He can care less about our positions. Notice what it says here in the text. Whether you're a slave or you're what? Or free. People make a big deal about positions now, don't they? Want to talk to the CEO? How about the CFO? How about the CGO? Is there a CGO? I don't think there is. Anyway, you know, CEO, CFO, you know. Oh, so what do you do for life? Well, I'm a, you know what I mean? I'm a this, 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 and this. You know what I mean? I'm a doctor, professor. I'm a pastor. We got all these. But God can care less. And yet we talk like we're these big things with all these positions here. And we, we call people by their positions. And look at so-and-so. He's this. And that. God can care less. God's not looking at that stuff. God's looking at the heart. God's looking at the very little things that we can do in the positions that he been as we worship him in our work. And notice what it says is not only that, we will receive back from the Lord. God will bless that. And notice this in verse 9, he talks to masters and he says this, Masters, now you're a boss here. You think you're a big thing here. You better do the same things, he says in verse 9. Even though you're your own boss, it doesn't matter. You do the same things. Give up the threats. Well, I tell you, we live in a world with threats, don't we? Do this or you're gone. Do this or you're gone. He says, give up the threats. Knowing what? That both their master and yours is where? In heaven and there is no partiality with him. Our God sees. He can care less about the position. But what he wants you to do is do the good that in the place that he has put you. This really hit home for me when an article came out in the Chassa paper about the tennis team. Johnny was in the article. It was a beautiful little article. But, but the article made me mad because in the article, it said that um, the uh, coach of the baseball team, the head coach of the baseball team, went around and got the kids on the baseball team to play tennis. That's not true. I got him to play tennis. But my name wasn't in the article. Not once. His name was in the article. And he got all the credit. And he didn't do anything. And so I'm in my heart. I'm like, mm, mm, you know, that's starting to burn up. So I went up to the kid. I said to the kid, I go, how can you say an article like that? This was his words. He said, I lied because I wanted, to, I wanted to get in good with the coach so that one day, you know, he'll play me and all that. So I made up the story. I said, so who really got you to play tennis? You did, Coach Jeremy. You did. Why ain't it in the paper? Why are my name not in there? I should be, I should be, it should be the title, Coach Jeremy, the coach of the year, the most amazing coach ever, to, ever for Widefield in the history of Widefield. The great Coach Jeremy, the best there ever is, and humble, right? <laughs> Not one word about me, nothing, and I'm sitting here all mad, for what? <coughs> When I should be doing it for who? For God. Does God see who got those players there? Yes, he does. Is God going to overlook that? Maybe now that I'm mad about it. Yes, he will. <laughs> but it's amazing how much we want to impress others rather than impress him. You are worshiping God all week. 
all throughout the week. Whether you're at home, doing the chores at home, whether you're going out to the job and doing the chores, you are worshiping God. So when you are there, God wants us to give our best and to transfer masters. We're not there to impress them. We're there to please him. And guess what? We may never be put in papers. They may lie about us and say things that are different about us. But one day we'll stand before our Lord. You see, there's no such thing as Christian work and secular work. There's only such thing as good work before the Lord. And one day we're going to stand before him and we're going to hear from him how our work was. So instead of trying to worship him just on Sundays, let's worship him all throughout the week. And when you wake up tomorrow and you're like, man, I really don't want to go into work today because so-and-so talks about me and this boss does this and doesn't be, you go there for Christ and give it your all. And remember, every little good contribution that we make, God sees and God rewards one day when we're in his presence. I can't wait to stand there in heaven. St. Pete sees me and he goes, Coach Jeremy. How are you? Wait, I'm a pastor. No, Coach Jeremy, come on over here. Coach Jeremy, guess what? We're so excited here, you know? This is amazing, Coach Jeremy. I know you weren't in the paper, Coach Jeremy, but we knew about you. Oh, we knew. We were talking in heaven about you. You were the talk of heaven for two days. And you were that. You're like, isn't it great? Probably not going to happen. Can I get dream though, can I? Just imagine what God will say about our work one day. So do you worship him through your work or do you worship your work? There's only two choices. How's your heart before the Lord? So let me ask you a couple of questions here. Something to ponder. Here's something to ponder. Do you pray before you go to work? Do you pray for the spirit to fill you and for God to use you as a missionary at your workplace? God, help me to be a light. God, help me to be used of you to point others to Christ. Help me to take advantage of the moments that you've given me. God, use me in the place that you put me. We need God. We need to be spirit-filled workers. And so do we pray that? Here's a wonderful prayer. Psalm 90, verse 16 and 17. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. And confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Lord, use me to be a blessing to others in the place that you put me. Whether or not anyone says anything, help me to honor and please you. That's a prayer. And that's what we should pray when we're doing that. God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Use me today, Lord in the little tasks to please you today. My husband may come home grumpy. He may not say anything to me. My kids may never say thank you, but I'm doing it for you and for you alone. Lord, I got a boss that really bothers me, a boss that is dumb, a boss that doesn't know what I know. Lord, use me today to be a blessing to that boss, to show him Christ, maybe even to point him to Christ. God, open his heart 
that he would see Christ. Lord, thank you for making me a boss. Lord, help me to be a blessing to those who are under me, not using the threats or anything, realizing that I'm not any better than them. And Lord, help me. What prayers to pray as we go each day to do what God has called us to do. We give all our energy, all our strength, but are we giving our prayers and our heart and doing what God wants us to do there? Let's, let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful passage of Scripture. And Lord, how it, it hits each one of our hearts in different ways. Sometimes we want that recognition. We want that appreciation. Sometimes we really want it. And when we don't get it, Lord, wow, our hearts get upset. And Lord, it just shows us what we're living for. So help us today to transfer masters. To have you at the throne of our lives. And to realize that every little good thing that we do, no matter where it is and the place that you have put us, every little good thing, you are watching. And you will reward when we're doing it for you and for you alone. Lord, there's some right now that are facing some serious decisions to make in their lives because the mandates are coming upon them. Do they choose their job or do they choose a different place? Lord, give them wisdom, I pray. Help them to know the right decision to make. Father, there's some that are going to work, but they're just doing it with a half heart. They're half-heartedly. They're not really giving their best at work. Lord, change our hearts. Help us to give everything we got for as long as we got. Lord, there's some that feel underappreciated and have jobs just to have them to pay the bills. Lord, change hearts today. Help us to realize that you have put us in those places, that that is our mission field, to point people to Christ. And as Monday, whatever different things that we're doing, every little thing, we're worshiping you because we are slaves of Christ. He's our master. He's the one that bought us with a price. He's the one that owns us. So Lord, here is all of us. Take us. Use us. And may we bring the most glory to you, Lord. Each day. Thank you so much for Sundays, but I thank you for Mondays. I thank you for Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. I thank you for each day that we have to worship you. Father, be with that mother that's dealing at home and feels underappreciated and doesn't feel like she's even at times doing things that, that Lord, that even make an impact. Help her to realize she is making an impact right where she is. Encourage her. Strengthen her. I pray for those who are retired from work that they wouldn't be slothful. That God, that you would continue to use them to, to, to build up your kingdom and to do things that would bring you honor and glory. Help them, Lord, to be useful right now. I think of Chalmer in his 90s still going out and giving Bibles and doing things for your kingdom. Help us, O oh Lord, to continue to have that attitude. We love you and need you. 
We praise you in the precious name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.